Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Calvary. So I'm told Christmas is in like three days. That's a little confusing to me because according to my chocolate advent calendar, it was like five days ago. (laughs) My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. If you have a Bible, would you grab it and turn with me to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take that as our gift to you. Luke chapter 2. How many of you are packing up the station wagon for a Christmas road trip? Awesome. How long do you think it will be before you turn to the kids and say, I just need a few moments of peace? No talking. Stop touching. It's very stressful for me to be in this comfortable, climate-controlled, confined space with all of you people. You think you'll be halfway there? Maybe it'll take an hour. Do you think you'll even be out of the neighborhood before you ask for a few moments of peace? My family took a Thanksgiving road trip. We got all packed up. Here's a picture of our car before we left. We like to travel light, and we had everything we need. But I don't think we were even out of the driveway before I turned to my three kids and said, everybody quiet. I just need peace. Actually, here's a pro tip if you're a new mom or dad. Here's what we did on the way back. We had about a 13-hour drive on the way home. So we queued up four Star Wars movies, and the children watched them all in a row. (laughs) There is nothing more peaceful than the sound of blasters and lightsabers. It was glorious. But peace is hard to come by. I mean, especially at Christmas, like we have less than 72 hours to figure out what in the world we are going to buy for the people we love the most. It's a lot of pressure. And not to mention, for many of us, this will be the first Christmas without a loved one. Or we'll sit around a table maybe and just be reminded of those who we avoid in order to keep the peace. So if that's the case, why is it then that one of the most famous verses about Christmas, one that is recited at Christmas pageants, painted on Christmas ornaments, sung in Christmas carols, why would the angels say in Luke 2, verse 13, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Think for a few minutes about the past 2,000 years of history since Jesus arrived. Have we experienced peace on the earth? I mean, my goodness, this week was not exactly a historically peaceful week for the United States, was it? Peace is so hard to come by, and it's so easy to lose. When we think about history, we think about times when people may have thought, finally, we found lasting peace. Here's a quote from a British prime minister who returned to London a hero because at the time, he thought, and many thought, he had brought lasting peace. 
He said, my good friends, for the second time in our history, a British prime minister has returned from Germany, bringing peace with honor. I believe, he said, it is peace for our time. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Go home and get a nice, quiet sleep. That quote was spoken by Neville Chamberlain, who was the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom in 1938. A year later, Britain would declare war on Germany. Two years later, the nice, quiet sleep of Londoners would be interrupted nightly by the Nazis bombing the city during the German Blitz. So much for peace for our time. It's so easy to lose. World War I was thought at the time to be the war that would end all wars. Great thinkers of the time said if, if the big military powers of the world just duke it out, after they witness once again the atrocities of war, they will say we must put an end to this and we'll never war again within a generation, World War II. Even the time when Jesus was born was thought to be one of the historically peaceful times in the world. Jesus came during a period of world history known as the Pax Romana, a 200-year period of time where the Roman Empire was free from international conflict. But when we read the New Testament, we see that it wasn't exactly a peaceful time to live in Rome if you were Jesus or his followers or if you were marginalized in society. The Romans kept peace in their empire, often through severe brutality. A friend of mine, Peggy, sent me a helpful article this week that I think clarifies some of our misunderstanding of this verse and the biblical idea of what peace actually is. See, often as Americans, we think of peace as the absence of something, the absence of war, lack of conflict. That's because our English word for peace comes from the Latin word, pax. We can understand when we learn more about the pax romana why we would uh, associate peace with absence of war and lack of conflict because that is the understanding in Latin. But other languages have deeper nuances to the word that we translate as peace. The Greek word for peace is irene. And in the Greek, peace means like, like a tapestry that is woven together. Like individual strands of cloth that come together and form something cohesive. Like they come together in community. They are better together than they are apart. In Hebrew, the word for peace is a word that many of us are familiar with, shalom. Shalom has a much deeper meaning than our understanding of peace. Shalom means completeness or wholeness. You could think about a wall that is built of bricks. In the Bible, you can say of that wall that it has shalom. It is complete or whole. It's free from cracks or imperfections. Shalom even speaks to our own personal well-being. You could ask someone, how is your shalom? Are you, in English, at peace? But shalom takes into account all of the different 
facets of our life. We, we like to compartmentalize our life into really clean boxes, like this is my work life, this is my family life, these are my friends, etc., etc. But Shalom recognizes that even if we try and build barriers between all those different compartments of our life, that that's not real. Because how often does what's going on at work affect our home life? I mean, how often do you come home and your spouse might say, you mad at me? You say, no, I'm not mad at you. Why would you ask? You just kind of seem on edge. Oh, I, I just had a really hard meeting at work. Or similarly, how when stuff's not right at home, it's very difficult for us to operate fully in the other facets of our life. We're not at peace. We don't have shalom. So the biblical idea of peace is not just the absence of conflict, not simply world peace. Tim Mackey, who's a professor and pastor, says, true peace requires taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness. That's the kind of peace that Jesus came to bring at Christmas. And I think that peace has meaning in our life today. And I want to share with you two gifts of peace that Jesus brings to us at Christmas. The first is peace with God. And the second is the peace of God. So first, peace with God. If we were going to rattle off Luke 2, verse 14 from memory, we would probably say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to men. Hear that in the carols, you hear that in the pageants, you see that on the ornaments, right? That's the King James Version translation of this verse. Almost all modern translations translate it differently. The version that we preach and teach from here at Calvary is called the English Standard Version, and it says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The peace that came at Christmas is is actually more narrowly focused than we might originally think. The peace that Jesus brings is for those with whom God is pleased. Now, how do we please God? Live a good life? Do the right thing? Read the Bible every single day? Be super religious? Go to church more than just Christmas and Easter? Now, actually, the Bible says it is impossible for us to please God unless we have faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So the Bible calls us to have faith in order to please God. What does faith look like? This verse explains that we must believe that God exists. Think about what the shepherds did that Christmas when the angels made this proclamation to them. They dropped what they were doing and they went to worship Christ, the newborn king. They believed the word that had been spoken to them about the Son of God and they made a change in their life. That's what belief is that I believe what's been revealed to me. I believe the good news of the gift of God's Son. I make a change in my life from what I've been doing to now following God and putting Him 
first. That's faith. We place our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus. We believe that he exists. And what happens when we do that? God rewards those who seek him. God gives a reward, it says, to those who seek him. And the reward that Jesus brings to those who seek after God and seek after him, the reward is peace with God. Think of the song, God and sinners reconciled. That's the picture here. That there are two opposing parties who are at odds, who are, if you will, at war with one another. We, as sinful human beings, cannot confidently stand in the presence of God because of His holiness, because of who He is. But God offers us a gift through His Son, peace with Him that only He can grant to us through faith, by believing. Back to Luke 2. I want you to see that when we believe, God is glorified and we receive peace. There's two phrases in Luke 2, verse 14, I want to draw your attention to. The first is glory to God, and the second is on earth peace. Glory to God and on earth peace. Those two phrases are linked together. You could say it, glory to God and peace to earth. See how similar they are? They're linked together. They're related to one another in this way. Where God rules, peace reigns. Wherever God is glorified, his gift is peace. Because if we are at peace with God, and the peace of God flows to every facet, every corner of our life. And so we prioritize our life this way. God gets the glory. God rules over all things in our life. And he grants us peace. God is glorified when we believe. When by faith we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and he saves us. He gives us the gift of faith. We turn from our life of sin and we turn to God, to the only one who brings peace, to his son, Jesus. God is glorified and we experience peace with God. God is glorified too when we make decisions in our life through this filter. God, I want you to rule in my life. I have a really difficult ethical decision to make it work. What do I do? God, I want you to get the maximum amount of glory in the decision-making that I make in my life. Help me do that. And then we can stand confidently when we have to make a tough decision because we know that God is glorified, that God rules over my life, and I can have confidence and peace regardless of the outcome or the repercussions of the decision that I've made. God is glorified when we view our role as parents as an opportunity for our children to glorify God, to witness our life that is lived for his glory so that they might experience peace. Over the next few days, many of us will be gathering with family and friends, maybe at their home, maybe at ours. God is glorified when we are the people of peace. 
Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing when people came to our homes if they said, there's just such a sense of peace that I experience when I enter your home. And we could say, that's the peace that I have with God and I share it with you. When we put our spouse's needs before our own, God gets the glory. And what do we get in return? Peace. We read Mary's song earlier during uh, our music time. Mary glorified God when it was announced to her that she would give birth to the Messiah. It must have been uh, kind of a difficult thing to hear, probably changed the trajectory of her life, probably brought some challenges and stress and anxiety, but what did she say? God, you are great. You are glorious in my life. You have done great things for me. Mary lived under the kind and gracious rule of God and then experienced his peace. This is why we're in this series, because we believe that Jesus came that first Christmas to bring us hope. He fulfilled our hope. Our long-expected Savior had come. We believe Jesus came to bring us love and joy and peace, and not just in Bethlehem, but in Boulder. Today, here and now, if we have made peace with God, my friends, and if peace reigns in our hearts, then we can experience the peace of God. Turn right in your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Paul writes to the church in Philippi about the peace of God. He says that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, it surpasses all understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. It is so much greater than what the world might offer to us that it's almost unexplainable. But it's real and active in our day-to-day life. Jesus wants us to experience the peace of God. He wants us to be able to deal with the challenges that we face, the pains that we experience, the sorrows that we feel, and navigate those with Him at our side. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds, God promises. It's like a militarized force that surrounds your heart and your mind and protects you from anxiousness, from stress, from pain, in a way that other alternatives can't. And the key here, the key is that it's in Christ Jesus. My friends, if you're here today and you have not yet believed in Jesus Christ, then actually the peace of God is not available to you. You must first make peace with God before the peace of God can be tangibly experienced in your life because this peace is found in Christ Jesus. 
through the power of His Spirit who lives within you, if you have turned to Jesus in faith, then He offers you this gift, the peace of God. And He will guard your heart and your mind. You know how connected those two things are? How often do we get spun up on something in our minds that we can't stop thinking about? A loved one who's hurting, a problem at work, a disagreement we've had with a friend or a spouse, and and we just can't stop thinking about it, and then it moves from thoughts in our minds to feelings in our heart. And, And we experience real physical reactions to what we think in our mind, and Jesus promises, I will guard your heart, I will guard your mind, so that you might experience peace. Now, how does that happen? Look at verse 6. Verse 6 of Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul says, be anxious about nothing, but pray about everything. What if when we started to feel the pressure, the pain, the problems, what if our response was, I need to pray. God, I turn to you. Would you help me? Would you guard my mind? Would you protect my heart? Would you help me through this season and bring me peace? It's the middle of the night. It's right before the meeting with your boss. And you just cry out to the Lord, Lord, I need help. I need peace. He promises to bring it to you. I love that Paul says you should let your requests be made known to God. God wants to know. God wants to hear from you about what you're dealing with about what's real and harmful and hurtful in your life. And he doesn't necessarily promise to change those circumstances, but he promises in the midst of it to bring you the peace of God so that you can navigate it in a way that he is glorified. In 1861... The wife of the famous American poet, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, died tragically in a fire. He was so severely burned that he could not attend her funeral, and later grew a beard to hide his scars. Just two years later, in early December, Henry received word that his oldest son, Charlie, who was 18 at the time when his wife died, she left him with six young children and his oldest had gone to fight for the Union Army in the Civil War. In early December, he got word that his son had been severely wounded. And so he faced the season of Christmas like many of us do, with pain and sorrow and brokenness, and crushed by grief, he wrote a famous Christmas poem, turned into a Christmas carol, called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
and thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black, a cursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. So if one of the ways we can receive peace, the peace of God, is through prayer, I think another way is that we can listen. That's the theme of that poem. He's constantly hearing the refrain of the bells singing, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in the midst of what was deep despair and sorrow for him, he hears the truth about what is true. God isn't dead. God doesn't sleep God is not unaware of what's happening in your life this Christmas. He came to bring peace to you. So maybe for us, we we just need to be reminded of the words of God, of the promises of God to us, His promises of peace and love and hope and joy. Maybe we need people around us to ring the bells to help us remember the truth about what God promises us, what He says He has accomplished in His Son, what that means for you if you have placed your faith in Him. It means He's not sleeping. It means that one day, peace on earth will come to the world. Like this poem, the Bible is brutally honest about the reality of life. It doesn't gloss over that we might experience pain or suffering in this world. In fact, in John chapter 16, Jesus himself said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. See, the world tries all sorts of different ways to bring us peace. Some of us tinker with them. And we find when we do that there's no true and lasting peace which can only come from God. What are some of the ways that we try and find peace in the world? Well, we might vacate. That sounds pretty good to be on a beach, right? 
I can experience peace there. That's true. A vacation can be a good gift from God. But, but does it last? You might have peace for a week, two weeks. You come home and enter back into your life that's not at all peaceful. And maybe the memories of a great vacation, they fill you with peace for a time. But after a while, it's back to the grind. See, if we try and find true and lasting peace by just simply removing ourselves from our reality, we don't experience the lasting peace that God promises through Jesus, even if it's on the beach or in the mountains. I mean, friends, we don't even have to leave our homes to take a little mini vacation, right? We can just check out in front of the television. Just get a little hour or two of peace. I don't think about my problems. I just totally disconnect. Okay, it might help for a time, but it doesn't last. We also might medicate. Now, this is not the kind of medicine that is prescribed under the authority and care of a doctor, which I think is a gift from God and can help us with true physiological problems. I'm talking about the kind of medication that just allows us to check out or numb the pain. You know, I'm just so tired of all of it, I just don't want to feel anything anymore. Whether I sip a drink or pop a pill or smoke a joint, whatever it is, I just want out of this. Some of us take it a step further and we just isolate. Like, you know what? This is just all too crazy for me. I'm not even going to deal with it. I'm just going to completely withdraw. And then I don't have to deal with any of it. This is not what God wants for us. Now, these are some of the personal ways that we may try and find peace. How about culturally? What happens in our society when we try and find peace? What are the ways we look to it? Well, we might educate. Now, education can be great. I think it's important that we learn world history. We see the unfathomable atrocities of war and say we probably shouldn't do that again. Or we might even educate ourselves about ways that we could deal with anxiety and problems that we face in our life. But can we find our ultimate hope for peace in education? No. Because education only helps us with our head. But the peace that Jesus promises is for both our heads and our hearts. He'll guard them. He'll protect them. He will bring real peace to you today in your heart and in your mind in a way that all the education in the world couldn't resolve. And throughout world history, we've tried to legislate peace. Now, this is certainly important too. I'm grateful for the governments that God places in our lives. Part of their purpose is to create peace for the people who live under their authority. There might even be new laws that we need to make our society more peaceful. But will we find ultimate, true, and lasting peace through a government? No. 2,000 years of history has proven that. But you know the joy that we have at Christmas? is actually that there will be a government someday 
There will be a ruler who will reign over all things and bring a true and lasting peace. Because, my friends, even as we are in this Advent season preparing our hearts to worship Christ at Christmas, we look forward to another Advent that is to come. Jesus came first in humility as a baby, and he will return again in glory to reign and rule. That's why the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament said, For to us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is the true king who will come to reign over heaven and earth, and he will inaugurate his kingdom on the earth, and we will live forever and ever in peace. What does verse 7 of Isaiah chapter 9 say? It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Everlasting peace. The kind that only God can bring to the hearts of his people. To those who have made peace with God. They will experience the peace of God forever and ever and ever. And it will be beautiful. What will it look like? Isaiah says he will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. Think about all the places in the world where injustice occurs. God will come and right those wrongs. He will bring justice where there is injustice. He will bring righteousness where there is wickedness and evil. And everyone will fall under the gracious and kind rule of God. And peace will reign forever and ever. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Merry Christmas. Our Father, we long for that day when your Son will return in glory to inaugurate his reign of peace. But as we wait for that day, God, we ask that you would grant us the peace of God that can only come from you. I pray for any heart in this room that is troubled, God. I pray you may grant them, by your Holy Spirit, the peace of God. I pray for any heart that might be far from you, God. I pray they might turn to you in faith. And by believing, have life in your name. I pray they would make peace with you, God. Pray, Lord, you help us in the days ahead to be your people of peace, your ambassadors to people who may not know you, who may be without peace. We might be an example of the peace that is offered from the kingdom of heaven here on the earth. May you be glorified, God, this Christmas in our lives and in our church. We pray this in the name of the Prince of Peace. Amen.